M. Craig Barnes tells a story about when he was a child. His father brought home a 12-year-old boy named Roger, whose parents had died from a drug overdose. There was no one to care for Roger, and so Barnes folks decided that they would raise him as their own. And at first, it was difficult for Roger to adjust to his new home. Several times a day, Craig said he heard his parents saying to Roger, No, no, that's not how we behave in this family. Or, no, no, you don't have to scream or fight or hurt other people to get what you want. Or, no, no, Roger, we expect you to show respect in this family. In time, Roger began to change. He didn't have to make those changes to become a part of the family. He already was a part of the family by the grace of the Father. But did he have to work hard? Because he was in the family? Of course he did. And it was tough for Roger to change, but he worked at it. And he was motivated by gratitude for the amazing love that he had received. Jesus is intent on getting across to the disciples how we behave in this family. Chapter 15 of John's Gospel is part of Jesus' farewell discourse to his closest friends. And I use the word friends intentionally. If you didn't pick up on it at first, you'll understand why later. Minutes before these comments of John 15, beginning with verse 9, at the beginning of John 15, Jesus gives the metaphor of a vine. I am the vine, he says. You are what? The branches. And I think it's helpful for us to have this mental picture because the vine is what goes into the soil of the Father's love, as I would picture it, and brings up through it the nutrients that we need, and then we are the branches that head out to the side and have the opportunity to bear fruit. And as he said earlier, apart from me, you can do nothing. We, the branches, are cut off from the vine, then we shrivel up. But as long as we stay connected, then we abide in Jesus as he abides in us. And so Jesus carries over this metaphor into our section for the day. He's talking about abiding, and he's talking about bearing fruit. And so it's helpful for us to have this this background as we look at these specific verses. Here's a different kind of love. It's a love created by God, and it's a different love than we experience from anyone else. It's not an emotional love which relies on the roller coaster of individual feelings. It's a decisive love in which the Christian or the lover decides to love another even when it's not easy. It's an inconvenient love, a sacrificial love. Now, like the Gospel of John, one of the other um, lectionary passages given to us for today is from the first epistle to John, those three um, epistles right before Revelation in our New Testament. And the author of this letter says, this is how we know that we love the children of God. 
by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. You hear that? Do you agree? His commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world, even our faith. Now, even scholars have kind of a hard time with this passage, but some of the important themes are commandments, love, and the fact that all of this is born of God, as is victory. In the last few weeks in our church, two of our children have confessed their faith in Jesus Christ as God's Son and requested baptism. And perhaps, like me, you wonder whether they're too young to make this decision at six and seven. You, because there's so much. We know there's so much about faith that they don't understand, that they can't understand at this tender age. And yet, is there not so much about faith that we don't understand? Yeah. I always enjoy my monthly Bible study with the women on mission group during the day. They're in their 80s and 90s, and they're still learning about the Bible, and they're still growing in their faith. They are among our mothers in the faith. But they remind us well that this is a process of growth. Just like any kind of partnership is an opportunity to grow together. But it doesn't happen immediately. It takes a lifetime. Certainly there are times when we wish we knew the answers to the existential questions of suffering, brokenness, and the meaning of life. And yet... I would think that most people in this church have a negative opinion of people who think they know everything. Would I be right? You can nod your head, or you can say, you're wrong, girl. (laughs) I have, maybe that's projection, so let me, I'll relate it to myself. I have a negative opinion of people who think they know everything, because I know it's impossible. For instance, my son and I were wondering last night about what's at the edge of the universe. That was his question. And we hear that the universe is still expanding, so what is it expanding into? We can't know the answer to that, those questions right now, but that doesn't mean that scientists won't discover it someday. And just as we keep taking steps forward in the sciences, We continue our forward movement in our faith in Jesus Christ. Arnoldo Fortini wrote a biography of the man who became St. Francis of Assisi. In one story about him, Francis was riding a horse down the road that went by a leper hospital that was kind of far from Assisi, but even then, like in biblical times, lepers were a rejected lot. Francis was not yet the saint of history. He was still caught between the lure of wealth, for his father was a wealthy businessman, and the life of discipleship. 
And as he rode along, he was absorbed in his thoughts. And suddenly the horse jerked to the side of the road. And with difficulty, Francis pulled him back on course. But as he looked up then, he recoiled at the sight of a leper in the middle of the road. And what he saw was a gray specter with stained face and shaved head, dressed in gray sackcloth. He did not speak and showed no sign of moving or getting out of the way. And he just looked at the horseman, Francis, fixedly, strangely, with an acute and penetrating gaze. An instant that seemed an eternity passed for Francis, but slowly he dismounted. He went to the man and took his hand. It was a poor, emaciated hand, cold like that of a corpse. And Francis pressed the hand and then brought it to his lips and kissed the man's hand. And as he did so, to, for this, this creature, as many, of, many people would have thought, he was abject, he was hated, he was scorned, he was put away beyond the town. Francis was flooded with a wave of emotion that shut out everything around him. That was one step in Francis' conversion. It wasn't the step. It was a step. That conversion took many months. But it taught him that following Christ sometimes requires doing things that repulse us. And what Francis may not have realized at that time was that something greater was prompting him allowing him to do that which, humanly speaking, he was incapable of doing. Back to the Gospel of John, Jesus said, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Now at this time of college graduations, this sounds a little bit like a commencement address. The disciples are graduating from being slaves or servants of Jesus to being his friends. Switch the tassel on the mortarboard. Everyone is on the same level now. In our Declaration of Independence, we affirm that all people are created equal. And yet for so many years in our nation, that was untrue. Even Thomas Jefferson, the author of the Declaration of Independence, held slaves... He knew that slavery should end, but he felt it was beyond his generation's ability to make it happen. I suppose it was too much of a sacrifice. Who would bring up the ice from the river? Who would till the gardens? Who would send up the wine on the dumbwaiter at Monticello? In Jefferson's will, he freed a few of his slaves, but the others remained in slavery. He left the problem for future generations. 
We can't leave the problem of equality for future generations. We are the future generations. We are called to understand now that Jesus has chosen us as friends. No longer are we simply servants following our master's commandments. Now we are his friends. Do you hear the escalation of the level to that of equality? We don't simply follow. We think for ourselves, and we lead others toward Jesus as well. And ideally, like Jesus, we love others not out of obligation, but out of friendship, out of that friendship that Jesus has created within us. We love others because God first loved us and adopted us as brothers and sisters and friends of Jesus Christ, the Son. And expressing this love to others is what Jesus calls bearing fruit. Now, Craig Barnes, the one who offered us the illustration about Roger, the 12-year-old who came into his family, helps us apply his family's lesson. He says, do you have a lot of hard work to do now that the Spirit has adopted you into God's family? Certainly. But not to become a son or a daughter of the Heavenly Father. No, you make those changes because you are a son or daughter. And every time you start to revert back to the old addictions to sin, the Holy Spirit will say to you, no, no, that's not how we act in this family. And Jesus said, I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends. This Loving one another that Jesus offers us is the victory that has overcome the world. We show love as unconditionally as we can, and we leave the judgment to God. This kind of accepting love conquers the world. How many of you had taken a CPR course? Okay, some of you. So the last time I took it, and maybe they still do it, you have this dummy that lays on the ground, and you have to do the pumping, and then you have to blow two breaths. I think it's changed since I took it. But, um, you know, I was thinking about these life-size dummies, and, and that one wonderful thing about the church is that we're all practice dummies. <laughs> we practice loving each other well in our family of Christ. And that helps us to learn how to love others beyond these walls. We all are broken in some way. And that's one of the things that the Mental Health Association or Mental Health America reminds us of. We're all broken in some way. Somewhere along the gamut, maybe a little bit, maybe a lot, maybe a little bit this morning, maybe a lot at 3 o'clock this afternoon. It varies But we're all broken, and we all need community. We all need love, and we all need the acceptance of each other. And we practice that here. We have issues with trust, or perfection, or depression, or forgiveness, or whatever else we could name. 
And yet we love each other because Jesus has chosen us and has called us friends. And the only way we learn to love is in relationship with other people. You know, we can't sit in a room by ourselves and learn how to love other people. We have to do it in community. And what a great community we have in which to do it. And with such growing and generous love, as we practice together and as we grow together, we, too, conquer the world. We conquer the world for Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. God of all creation, God of all people, we invite your blessing on us as we gather as your family and your friends. We thank you this day for our mothers and our fathers. We thank you for our friends who set examples, who know our weaknesses, and who call us to become greater than we are, much like you do, O God. We remember, too, those who have lost children, or who have been mentors to children not their own. We thank you for aunts, mothers, sisters, teachers, all who have given us strength and wisdom and compassion and care, for they are a part of your image. We lift up to you the mothers who find the role difficult and ask that you would give them courage and endurance And we lift up to you all families as we all seek to follow you, or not all of us, but many of us. We want to, and we want to grow closer to each other, and we trust that that will help us to grow closer to you as well. Help us to love the way you have loved us, and help us to abide comfortably, peacefully, and joyfully and the love that you have given to us. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.